Yo, yo, wagwan people, wataguan, as uh, my Jamaican family would say. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, today, we are jumping in with Kenny Mamarella de Cruz. That's a mouthful of a name. Uh, but man, this guy is chock full of wisdom on helping men live their lives with uh, integrity and I would say meaning. And this was a really fascinating conversation. Uh, we we covered the whole gamut and I will let you just kind of discover everything we talked about. But it, I, it was really interesting. We talked about kind of like the lie of social media. We talked about how a lot of adult boys are in survival mode. And I uh, definitely resonated with that in some ways, uh, probably more than I would care to confess. And we talked about the many parts of a man and how, how we often have these sub-personas that uh, protect us, uh, but sometimes they keep us bound and they keep us from from growing. And so if you're feeling stagnant in your life, if you're feeling like, hey, I there's areas I want to grow in and I can't you know, you know, break past the threshold, this interview is designed to give you some clues into what might be going on and hopefully some inspiration to move forward and to push past some of those those you know ceilings that you're experiencing in your life. And that's what we're all about here. We want to see you uh, experience fulfillment. We want to see you reach your potential. And I think this interview is going to help you do exactly that. So I'm really excited. Um, without further ado, actually, you know what? One last thing I'll just mention. Kenny is from the UK. And so he's got a nice British accent. Guy sounds very smart uh, because he is very smart. Uh, but this is a storied man. So this guy uh, has done work with Mother Teresa when she was still alive. Um, he's conquered multiple mental health issues, OCD and Tourette's. Uh, he's lived all around the world. Uh, he is a, a like adventure geek, like doing you know bungee jumping and solo skydiving and shark feeding and you know, all that kind of stuff. Stuff. Uh, just a fascinating guy and uh, lots to learn from him. So anyway, let me not drag this on any longer. Without further ado, here's my interview with Kenny Mamarella de Cruz. Enjoy, guys. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. So, so Kenny, maybe maybe we can, um, as a starting point, I like asking this for gentlemen like you who have, you know, built up an organization, you've built kind of a practice, you're helping men specifically. What is it that excites you about serving men and um, specifically offering, you know, your, your expertise to, you know, males alone? Why, why, why that choice? Um, I'm not sure that I actually chose it or meant to do it at all. Um, I, um, I was abroad. I was, I've been living in London for a long time, uh, about 40 years, actually. Um, And I moved to Fiji. I ended up being headhunted to Sydney. Um, I worked with Mother Teresa in her home for the dying in Calcutta for a couple of months over two years. Um, and I traveled in Thailand and New Zealand and, you know, did all sorts of stuff. Came back to the UK um, where there are so many people who I love and I really missed my my male friends specifically. Mm. And then I realized that when I was back here, I missed them more being with them 
than when I was in a different country because they got distracted by all sorts of, you know, money, power, drink, drugs, partying, sex addiction, love addiction, God knows everything. And it's like, who are these people? I needed to be met at some depth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got a a dozen or so in my lounge and I basically said, um, yeah, I'll still come partying and stuff, but I need to be met at depth. I've never been to a men's group. I'm starting a men's group and you're all in. And <laughs> that's where it all, all started, really. Wow. Um, and that was coming up, up for about 25 years ago. Wow. And, and how old were you roughly at the time? Then I was probably mid-30s, maybe 35. I did my adolescence at 34. Had to be done <laughs> at some stage. Um, but I would have probably been about 35, maybe 36. Yeah. Um, and it was just time. And what was really weird about these blokes is they were very different classes. And I feel because I'm a foreigner one way or another, um, I'm very lucky that I can be accepted in, into different classes and different races and different situations. Mm. Um, but it took off. It just worked for all of us. It worked yeah. an absolute treat. And I got much better quality company from my friends rather than chucking them as I intended to. <laughs> um, and then people told people and it's just got out of hand. It's a big organization that's done a lot of good, saved a lot of lives, saved a lot of marriages. And it's just grown and grown. Oh, it's fantastic. It's really cool. And you, the way you, you describe that you sound like a, a sojourner, you know, you've traveled all around and you didn't even include <laughs> the fact that, that you weren't born in the UK um, that, and that you've, there's actually even a, a deeper backstory, which I want to get into maybe a little bit later. Um, mm. But it, it is incredible. And I, I love kind of the grassroots um, start of, of the movement and how it's grown. The reason I asked about your age is because um, I'm 33 years old. And I think that that desire that you just articulated for depth is something I've really felt the last couple of years. You know, I loved being super extroverted in my 20s, having so many friends in so many different places um, and varying degrees of depth, but it, it, it didn't matter as much. It, it was still valuable. But I find now at this age and stage of life, craving it and and really asking that question even in my own life of, you know, what does it look like to have deep, meaningful friendships? You know, I don't need a lot. I just need a handful. And yeah. so, um, so it's interesting that, you know, for you, you were mid-30s as well when you were asking that. Why do you think, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to ask you a quick question. Um, um, I wonder what happened in your life in your late 20s and whether you've heard of Saturn Return, for example. I, I haven't, no. So Saturn Return is, so there's a planet Saturn. It's the first time at roughly 29 and a half years um, when it's on you again. And in a nutshell, my understanding of Saturn Return is it says the sub-personalities that you have manufactured to survive life now need to shift. Whether it's the nice guy or the hero or the smart guy, whatever it is, the flirt or the mummy's boy. So it needs to shift because now life needs to meet you Mm. and move you forward. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people that I work with, male and female, but definitely the males, that's when they change career or end a relationship or become a father or move to another country or get ill, have an accident. Something big happens in most men's lives, late 20s, early 30s. And then usually around 33, there's a peak 
of this is who I am. In essence, this is who I am. And this is what brings me alive. And there might be a, how am I going to make money out of this? And how am I going to settle? And how am I going to build an empire around this? But it's not about that. It's more about, ah, now I know what brings me alive. Now I know what feels good. Does that sound familiar? Oh my to you gosh, anyway? that that could not be more spot on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in my yeah, in my late twenties, um, my wife and I got engaged, and um, she became very ill, and um, and at the time, so she was bedridden, you know, eighteen twenty hours a day. Wow. Um, and then I was really struggling in my my career at the time. I was a, a local church pastor, just feeling, just couldn't couldn't find like my my sweet spot, you know, like. I love the people. I love the environment. Everything kind of on paper made sense, and it just I couldn't get it, couldn't get it working the way I wanted to. So, um, I did I did a career switch to help guys with porn addiction, and um, and it kind of started small and it, it grew uh, very organically. Like I resonate with your story, um, but that allowed me to also take a bit more control of my income, so I could help pay for my my wife's medical bills, which were kind of piling up because she was uh, really ill and we didn't know what was going on. Um, and I, I am 33 and it's funny. I was just telling someone the other day that this is like by far that like, this is my best life, you know, like, um, every year, even in, even in hard years, I'm a very glass half full optimistic kind of guy. I think my life gets better every year, but yeah. I truly like this year has been amazing. And, and it's for the exact reason you mentioned, it's not because, um, I'm, I am in more in control of my income and we can pay our bills and it's not because my wife is healthy or, and you know, we just had, we just had our son, our first kid a, a couple uh, a weeks ago. Wow. But, congratulations. Thank you. But, but really, and truly like what makes this season feel so incredible in this age is the fact that, yeah, I, I feel like I know why God put me on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've like, I've discovered myself and I found an environment. I've been able to build an environment that is allowing me to thrive in it. So that's, that could not be more accurate. That's really cool. They so call what, it the Jesus year. The Jesus year. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He started ministry at 30 and, and he, he had his, his kind of the pinnacle at 33, right? Yeah. So uh, at some point in this interview, you need to tell me what happens <laughs> What happens next. Uh, well, I'm in my second Saturn return. I'm okay. I'm 59 now. Right. Okay. Um, and it's the next level. And it's really funny. The first Saturn return is when I left the UK and I traveled the world pretty much looking for a home a home of my choice. Um, second Saturn return, I moved back to my home in Wales where I was brought up from the age of seven. And I'm at a place now where, you know, I couldn't ask for more from my work and my business. And it's all absolutely wonderful. Dreams come true far better than my wildest dreams. It's time to pass it on. Mm. That's what I wish to do is train even more people, supervise and pass it on. Um, and I didn't see this coming, but I can just, I can feel it in my bones, yeah. be more available and just pass it on. That's really cool. So I, I wanted to ask you, why do you think it, death is such a challenge? Um, because it feels like the more conversations I'm having, even even with my, with my peers, you know, locally or our clients, you know, who are around the world or even my team we all want depth. Like it's, it's not like it, it's not like, Oh, you know, most guys just love the surface talk and they love having these superficial conversations. If you really get to the core of any person, they long for that deeper, meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And I marvel at my wife and her friends. Cause I feel like the, the, the barriers that are, are just seem so normal for me as a man are pretty much non-existent. You know, like she is able to get to 
much deeper places in her female friendships than I, f- I find I am. Um, and it's not that I can't get there, but it just seems to be very, there's a different dynamic going on for men. I, and what, and your work, like in your observation, why do you think that is? Why is it that it's maybe a bit more of a challenge for men to actually experience depth in their friendships? I wonder whether this is more the boy part of males rather than the man part of males. Mm. And for me, the difference between a boy and a man is a boy is generally in survival mode, needing to maintain his position, not Mm. be humiliated, not be abandoned, make a noise and compete. Mm. Where men can be with their emotions and feel their emotions uh, and meet other people at depth. And they can listen, not just make a noise. Mm. They can collaborate, not just compete. There aren't such huge issues uh, handing their inner child to other people for approval Mm. where they can take care of the child inside themselves and be available intimately to themselves and other people in love rather than in fear. And this is a man, including his feminine side, where a boy will deny that side and might be so fueled with testosterone that there is no space for anything else. So I would say men don't fear this, where the boyish behavior, and I'd say society, media, etc., is all about be a boy and dress like this and do this and show off like this. And, you know, I used to laugh at my um, the generation before me, my parents, my grandparents, and how they were um, full of what will people think and putting on a good show for people. And I just thought, no, my generation aren't going to do that. The generations after me aren't going to do that. And that's what social media is all about, mm. showing the world the lie to be good enough to connect with <laughs> rather than just connecting. Wow. Huh. I never thought of it that way. It's a really good point crazy isn't it and how painful and how isolating huh yeah so uh let's let's talk about that the lie of social media so what does what happens when that lie gets reinforced as it as it does in our society and will continue to to do so what are the the effects of that a lot of people get very rich Um, And it's the people who will sell things to you. If you buy this course or these clothes or your body looks like this or whatever your bling is, or if you drink this, then maybe one day you will be good enough to live the life in these pictures. Mm. Um, And I've got a lot of rich and famous and influencer type clients. Um, And sadly, they are the loneliest by far Mm. because love and connection and community can't be bought. Mm. This is where vulnerability comes in. This is where authenticity comes in. And this is where people can truly intimately meet and have fun. Um, And in this country, after refugee camp, I was brought up in one of the poorest parts of Europe, a small town in, in Wales, in Pembrokeshire. And there was so much caring and sharing and love and fun. It was absolutely magnificent. Mm -hmm. And I think the most hilarious thing in my life is my rich and famous clients want to buy 
some of what the poor have because they're starved of um, connection. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. starved. They're starved of purpose because if they were sent to boarding school or given everything they want or whatever, that's that's kind of like, well, disposability. Mm. So if they were disposed of, then everyone else is disposable because mm. that's the norm. Or if their hearts were broken and they weren't cherished, then if they haven't got it, they can't share it and they don't know how to meet there. That's yeah. not to say it's undoable. Right. And I would say the journey is not doing and learning. It's undoing and unlearning. Yeah. And this is where love is. Hmm. It's really well said. Really well said, Kenny. So you you talk a lot in your, I, I've seen this in some of your, you know, um, you've been featured on some really prominent platforms and your message um, often at some point, you start talking about a person's shadow um, yeah. and, and I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because obviously we're talking to an audience here that, um, you know, that maybe, maybe we all kind of unite on one particular shadow, but as you even alluded to, you know, you're talking about inner child work and the, the kind of individual nuances that, that often play into, um, you know, our experiences of life and certainly the, the shadow concept as well. I, I won't go any further into it, but I want you to explain it. Um, what do you mean when you're talking about people having a shadow? And how does this kind of factor into the conversation we're having here? It's a really funny one because mainstream, the mainstream says the shadow, which is this big, dark, scary thing. Um, and a lot of people might find it sexy or exciting or whatever. Um, where the way I look at it is there are two shadows. There's the dark shadow, which is um, the stuff that never happened, don't admit to, shameful, Um to be denied. And then there's the gold shadow, which is maybe too good to be true rather than to be denied. Am I worthy of that? Isn't that for other people? Mm. Um, and I would say in walking my path, um, same with, with everyone I work with, really the people in the groups in walking our paths consciously, um, right here and right now, it might be very easy to kind of go into, okay, what am I angry or upset about? Well, maybe my greatest upset right now is what I have in my inboxes. Oh, my God, it's overloaded. Uh, and then that could go into, well, I wonder who's angry at me in my inboxes. Have I left let someone down? Um, and this is no longer logical. This has gone into the emotional. Mm. And then if I follow the feeling back, Who's angry at me? Have I let someone down? That Then that might go into homework. Have I been able to do my homework? Mm. Um, and as a child, I was I had PTSD and I had obsessive compulsive disorder and Tourette's and um, what do you call it? Body dysmorphia and various other things. And with all of that busyness going on, I couldn't do my homework that well. I wasn't safe. I wasn't sound. So there was all of this anxiety. And sadly, Boys are easily tamed and trained through shame, uh, shame and abandonment. It's very, very efficient, very, very damaging parenting. Mm. So if I can't do my homework, then I'm going to be ashamed. My family will be angry. Uh, maybe my aunts 
will be told about it and I'll feel shame. I'm no longer their golden boy. How will I cope with that? So that all takes me into my dark shadow. So it's not about my inboxes. What is it that's triggering my inboxes? Well, shame. And very often with males, it's shame. It might be shame for being a sexual being. It might be shame for doing too well. It might be shame for, you know, it could be anything. It could be anything. So that's the dark shadow. And what we do in in the men's groups, what what I do very often with people, is feel the feeling of what's going on now, knowing that whatever it is that you're angry or upset about isn't necessarily what's really going on follow the feeling back breathe into the feeling and follow the feeling back Mm. and in a split second it's like so easy ah that's what it is and it's generally the first thing that crosses the mind it's not necessarily the biggest drama or trauma Mm. but it's like follow the essence of this feeling so i'd say that's my dark shadow and as i take care of my broken spirited child who was stuck in the dark shadow in fear, needing to perform, needing to be safe, needing to be loved, needing to be celebrated or nurtured or whatever, not needing to be abandoned or shamed. As I, the man in me, just take care of that child, breathe him and kind of um, commune. What's, what's, What's the word? How can I put it? Hold him, hold him inside me, feel him inside of me or around me. Mm. Then he's no longer a broken spirited child waiting for some adult to take care of. I'm that man. Mm. And I can breathe him safe instantly. And then the man in me is able to meet the world and able to meet my emails, able to meet you, able to meet my clients, able to meet my wife, able to meet... God knows what whatever might be scary or wonderful that comes my way. Sure. But when I'm safe inside, I can meet the world. Yeah. And then I can respond into a bigger world. And I would say the gold shadow, as I go back into that place, um, what is it that I need to unlearn? Well, maybe what I need to unlearn is in those days, I wouldn't dare ask questions because I didn't want to be seen as stupid or I was scared that people would laugh at me, or I was from another country. When we came to this country, we were one or two years ahead of the other kids, and I just wanted to be a normal kid rather than better than. So there were all of those issues. So maybe my gold shadow is a fear of, well, I don't want to be very successful. I don't want to be seen for who I am or what I do, because then people might not like me. They might think I'm too big for my boots, too smart, and I might be abandoned, or I might lose the love that I have, or I might lose my community. Mm -hmm. So dare I go into my dark shadow to see what's there? Well, hey, that's the gateway to my gold shadow, uh, so I can be present and connected and available for life to lead me forward. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it really does. And does everybody have a shadow, Kenny? I would say we have many shadows. Well, rather than many shadows, we have many parts. Hmm. Um, And I know that God speaks to me partly through my inner DJs. And that's handy 
So I could be walking down the street, not really realizing what I'm thinking or what's going on, but there'd be something at the back of my mind. And my inner DJs will put something on and it would either be what the music reminds me of hmm. or the words of the music or the feeling of the music or hmm. something that just gives me the answer to a question that I'm holding in my head. And so there it is. It's in divine intervention. How better than through the inner DJs? Mm. Um, and I would say most males are controlled by our protectors. So if we go back to the broken spirited child, and it could be a big drama, it could be that the parents mix things up and no one picked me up from school. But it's that feeling of vulnerability and being alone, not being protected. Mm. So when that happens and the child's spirit is broken, then very often a protective part shows up, the inner protector. And the inner protector will kind of basically say, right, now your spirit, the part of you that's closest to God, the part of you that's the purest and the most loving and the most wonderful and creative and vulnerable is going to be hidden way, way back there because it's not an option that that part is tampered with or is in any pain. So we're going to hide that part, and I, the protector, will protect you and meet the world. Until one day when things are safe again. Okay. And what the protector generally does is then offer the child to other people, make my, make my child safe. Girlfriend, make my, my child safe. Boss, parents, friends, anyone, teacher. A client, make my child safe, approve of me, tell me I'm good, tell me I'm lovable. And it's handing the child over mm. rather than knowing that inside, this is the inside job. And the adult, the superhero, the cavalry that we've all been waiting for is inside. So <laughs> once the man in me can breathe present and connected, then my vulnerable child is out of survival limbo with my protector. Mm. And I have a free-spirited child in, inside of me. And I would say the way that life attracts situations, opportunities, reflections of what I feel is going on inside of me, um, it's the frequency that I put out. So my protector will recreate the things that I know to survive. And it might be betrayal, it might be abandonment, it might be being overlooked for a promotion, it might be whatever it is that the protector has learned to survive from the playground or the family or childhood, because it knows how to do that. Yeah. Where being successful, being big, being free, being wonderful, being in love with life and being able to let life love back, well, that's out of control, that's vulnerable and therefore against the rules. Mm. until the man is present then the vulnerable child turns into the free-spirited child inside right. and all those incredible tools that the protector has can be used to advise the man moving into bigger and better things on one side mm. on the other side a free-spirited child brings the voice of intuition guidance mm. from god yes yeah, and it is a beautiful thing when you do find that place of maybe self-trust or or whatever you want to call it, like like that free-spirited child. That's I feel like that's when we're all 
you know, operating at our best and um, and becoming everything that God's made us to be. I, I wanted to ask you something about your story earlier. So you mentioned um, before we were recording that, you know, you had... Um, you had grown up in uh, Uganda, right? And yeah. and and then um, you know it was a refugee situation that brought you to Wales, <clears throat> and then came the onset, as you alluded to, of PTSD, OCD, um, Tourette's, and the like. And I guess I guess I'm wondering how did some of these concepts that we're talking about, like um, like you know loving and healing the inner child and being able to get in touch with your inner life, how did these things play into your ability to? not just cope, but if I'm understanding things correctly, you're not really operating with any of those mental health issues anymore. How did you reach this place of of such stability and health through these concepts? I had to unlearn it. Um, they were all my dirty little secret, apart from the Tourette's, because with the Tourette's, I was twitching and grunting. Okay. Um, the OCD people could see at home. And it was a, a bit of a, a joke in a way. Uh, and in those days, you know, therapy and stuff were for Hollywood actors, uh, not for common people. And it was embarrassing. It, it seriously limited my life. And somehow I had to stop and I had to learn to slow down and breathe and update rather than berate. I would berate myself. I would attack myself. And this is where I could say my protector learned from the people around me how they would attack me. And before they got a chance, my protector would do it almost to prepare me for what might come. Whether it came or not is another story. But I hated me and I expected other people to follow suit. And generally, the way that I believe I treat myself, the world will follow suit. And I just needed to fix it, basically. I didn't want to be an embarrassment, and I, I wanted to take part as a normal child, which I clearly wasn't. <laughs> At least I didn't want to be found out. But I just, and, you know, it took me years and a lot of pain and a lot of draw, uh, trauma uh, barking up wrong trees and trying to fix this somehow. Yes. But um, I just had to learn about breathing slowing things down and claiming my life back. I was so, my biggest addiction was my head, my thinking, my second guessing, fixing my fears and fantasies. There was no space for anyone or anything else. Plus survival. We were a family surviving. We were the only family of color that these people had seen. Right. Um, and we were a nice Catholic family in a nice Catholic school. And it was wonderful. Um, and we were different. Um, and it was weird. It was just yeah. weird. And we came, it, it almost felt like we came from a different planet. Forget about a different world. We came from a different planet. Mm. Um, we didn't know how to cook and clean. So our neighbors showed us how to do that. Where in Africa, we had people to do that for us. Right. Um, we were just so different. And we wanted to be normal, the same as everyone else. And to pretend none of that happened so we could survive. Hmm. So that went undercover. That went in my shadow. Hmm. Um, and I needed to be normal. No one asked. There was nothing said. And we just carried on, hmm. um, including within my family. And my feeling was if we talked about things and someone broke, then maybe we'd all break. Hmm. 
Um, when we left, we were in hiding. We were on the death list. Um, we were followed. We had death threats. We had to leave our home. Our phones were tapped. So we isolated from friends and family. Yeah. And we actually left my father there. And he was smuggled to Italy where he ran refugee camps and organized a hunger strike and things. And we didn't see him for quite a while. And we'd all changed. It changed. So wow. when we got together, we just had to survive. Um, and survive we did. And mm. to be frank, we've thrived. We've done incredibly well. Yeah. Can't say it was easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I um I I like that part of your story because the people listening are maybe a, a couple steps behind in their own story, you know, working through some sort of sexual addiction, some sort of misbehavior, some kind of habit, or maybe even just some big mistakes that have been made in the past, uh, affairs or whatever it might be that they are working through and um, longing to get to that other side where they can say, you know, that was that was one of the hardest things I went through. But man, now that I'm on the other side, it made me, you know, the man that I am. But um, the guys that are listening are in the trenches. You know, they're they're in that middle part where the story is working itself out. And I'm wondering um, how you would guide, you know, if you had somebody in one of your groups, um, I know you, I know for a fact you do have people in your groups who are on these journeys. Um, yeah. What are, what are you saying to them and how are you guiding them through uh, these, these more difficult and challenging parts of their stories? You know, um, I find that people's um, fetishes or the things in porn land or their imagination that turns them on. Um, that's generally for me, a sexualization of whatever's in the dark shadow. Yes. And yes. I would say it's usually to do with their own, um, self-loathing what's wrong with them. Um, and it's often feelings of powerlessness or worthlessness. And depending on where they are, if they're angry, then there might be issues around power uh, being dominated or dominating, even causing harm. And all of these things can be so shameful for people. Mm. Um, and a fear that a lot of people have is that they might act out on these things. But I would say a lot of people have a kind of fantasy life or porn life or whatever that's quite separate to the daily life. Yeah. It's almost like I'll show the world the good boy or the decent man. Meanwhile, there's this shadow. Yeah. And for me, the only option is for the two to come together because there's gold in the shadow as we know. Yeah. And whatever the issue is, it needs to be met. And it's not always, not necessarily, an issue around sex or sexuality. It's yeah. just that's where it goes. Yes. But to be able to meet it and to read what it is and to, to follow the, it's almost like, strange way to put it follow the fetish yeah. and it can go from this issue to that issue to that issue as things work through but rather than demonize them and make it a big bad secret that kind of owns the life as big yep. bad secrets do it's like well out it talk mm -hmm. about it know it face it integrate it and get to know yourself and step into your purpose and step into your passion and step into your power rather than I'll show you this bit and I'll hide that bit. And it's going to be a life of survival where I feel like a liar. Yeah. How do you, um, 
how would you guide somebody through that process? So I, I, um, I'm so glad that we're that we're here and that we made it here in the conversation because I think this is supremely valuable. And I'm very much of the opinion as well that the things that tempt you, the things that trigger you, um, you know, the fetishes, the preferences, they're all just clues. You know, they're clues into some exactly. of the deeper underlying things that are at play. <clears throat> and usually the deeper you go, the less sexual it becomes, right? I know yeah. for me, it's, it's you mentioned power, and um, the word that I often use is control. Control is a huge part mm. of of me, like of my upbringing. And when I look at the kind of content that I used to consume and even where my fantasies would veer off to, control was always at, at a play in, in one detail or the other. Um, and that was a huge part of me working through it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know some guys might hear this and say, okay, Kenny, that makes sense. But that sounds kind of weird or that sounds kind of scary, you know, to start asking questions and to confront it. Um, we often fall for that lie that it's just easier to keep things at bay because it's it's less of a mess and I can have my mm. good boy, healthy man life over here, at least on the outside. And then I can have this thing behind the scenes. What's the big deal? But I think for maybe for somebody who is feeling that conviction and saying, okay, I see what you're saying. How would you guide them through that process to actually just to start confronting it head on. Cause I think that can be a big step for a lot of guys. Mm. Three things cross my mind. Um, number one is we talk about this quite a lot in groups because it's amazing how common this is. And we hold the groups online every day. Um, so that's available and that's sharing the journey and learning from other people's experiences. Uh, the second thing that crosses my mind is I work with this. So when we talk about the different parts, um, either online or in a room, I get people to shift their chairs and I literally hang out and chat with their different parts. And those different parts have a lot to say about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And separating them can be not only insightful, but it can totally rejig what's going on inside and change the balance of power and consciousness and put people in the driving seats of their lives. And that's really quite, it's intense work. Sessions are usually two hours. It's intense work, mm. but it's sustainable and it really puts them back in the driving seat. And once people know, they can't unknow. <laughs> once it's there, once the tools are pick picked up, then it's like, okay, now I know. Now I have choice. Um, and the third thing is maybe in that place, and it's almost like a different secret zone. It's like a twilight zone. Um, and for some people, that zone is the only space that actually belongs to them and no one else. And a lot of men don't have a space that belongs to them at all. Yeah, but some true. people, it's from the beginning to the end of the cigarette. With other people, it could be a pornathon for hours or even days. But that belongs to them. And as you say, they're in control. Hmm. Maybe get to know themselves in that space rather than letting the other part totally take over move in there or before during or after make some notes have a dialogue with that part and get to know that part because i wouldn't say any parts are bad or wrong right they all have clues and information and those voices need to be heard and if they're not they're going to shout and then they're going to have tantrums and then they're going to take over 
and things can get messy, very, very messy. And if people aren't found out, then it might be an illness or something. Who knows? Right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think even what you're talking about, it's a very male uh, approach, uh, which I like, because I think we can compartmentalize things. And the idea of breaking down some of these, you know, sub personas, and and kind of working through them. Um, and like you said, like, there is something about being able to just label it and identify it for what it is that is incredibly liberating and puts you in a, a seat of empowerment. So I, I, I totally agree. Um, there's a line that we use, name it rather than blame it or shame it. Mm. And it's so easy to blame, you know, I could blame Idi Amin, my parents for not being enlightened, the Roman Catholic church, or God knows who or what, and what would be the point of blaming it. It's like, it's not my fault. They were the powers. I'm the victim. Well, that's not going to shift anything. Um, and the shame, my God. God, the shame, control, and limit the lives of men and boys. Mm. Females as well, I'm sure. But I know the way it works with men and boys. And sadly, so many men would rather not be alive than die of shame and embarrassment. It's that powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. It is. And I, I would say we see that firsthand here as well. Um, Kenny, this this has been amazing, and I know that guys are going to want to connect with you, find out more about what you're up to. Um, can you just tell the audience for for people who want to find out a bit more, where should they go? For the men's groups, it's mensgroups.co.uk, um, and we've got groups every day. I think it's free for a month, and then ten or twenty pounds for unlimited groups thereafter. And then for me and my private work, it's themanwhisperer.co.uk. Um, and I'm training a lot of people. We're launching an online training in January. So it's not, and for us, it's all about non-hierarchical brotherhood. We're in it together. Um, so the community is growing. Come hang out. Okay, amazing. Yeah, we'll put links in the show notes to everything. Uh, in the meantime, though, thank you for the work you're doing and thanks for your time with us today, Kenny. It's been a pleasure. We covered a lot. I'm really chuffed at how this went. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. It was really good. We'll have to do it again sometime. All right. Well, there you have it. That is Kenny Mamorella de Cruz. I love saying that name. I don't know why he's saying it. Um, but anyways, mengroups.co.uk. Great chance for you guys to just dig into some of his stuff a little bit more and um, hopefully, you know, find some value there. And I would say, you know, if you're looking for some groups that he's, he's made it very low barrier to entry, this is a great way for you guys to develop to get some community and obviously to be under the tutelage of a phenomenal individual. And if maybe you're listening to this, I think especially when we got to the inner child stuff, it really reminded me of the clients that we're working with. We've really made a shift and uh, not a shift, but a we've made an intentional emphasis on inner child work the, the last six, eight months, especially now that we're providing one-on-one coaching to our clients. And I just know that some of you listening need this and you might have been listening to this today and realizing, oh my gosh, this kind of, you know, inner child, uh, the boy inside, these sub personas, these things are starting to resonate with you and maybe you're starting to just get a little bit more of a taste of why kicking porn might be so difficult. Um, If that's you and you're sick and tired of struggling and you want to get free, I want to recommend that you book a call with someone on our team. We'd love to speak with you and see if we can help and obviously our program tackles a lot of these concepts in depth while providing a scriptural foundation 
information, a lot of science and research went into it as well. And we know all of it collectively together positions guys like you to be successful in their recovery attempts. And ultimately, that's what this is all about at the end of the day. So if that's something you're interested in and you're ready to break free and get back what the enemy has stolen from you, click the link in the show notes, book a time with our team. We'd love to speak with you and see if Deep Clean's a good fit for you. In the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share this with somebody that you think needs to hear it, somebody that you think might benefit. If somebody came to mind while you were listening, I think you should jump on that. Uh, you might just change their life. You never know. So spread, spread the love. In the meantime, stay clean. We'll talk soon. Hey, everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.